to the Willow in the Windies, Caribbean cricket podcast with me, David Oram. I'll be looking at the recent major cricket news stories in the region, as ever in the company of my very good friend, the renowned West Indies cricket commentator, Joseph Reds Pereira. Greetings, Reds. How are you? Well, lack of sleep. We're watching um, New Zealand, India, and uh, India's got the upper hand in this series. Uh, New Zealand, you know, in sports, um, you know, Williamson, the star batsman, hasn't quite produced those very important knocks. Um, and, you know, a number of players didn't quite come quite good, but, um, you know, to beat Indian India, that takes a, a, a lot of good cricket. Absolutely. Now, the, uh, the challenge of uh, trying to beat anybody in uh, the subcontinent, in their home turf, as it were, uh, Tough, a tough ask. And, uh, yes, I've seen a little bit, David, of South Africa and Australia also. It means it means more sleep lost. <laughs> well, you were telling me just now, Red, that uh, you were awoken as well with horrific rain there in Seleucia today. Yes, yes, uh, very rainy indeed. Uh, but, you know, we just got to be thankful that we are having water in some parts of the world. Um, you know, no water at all. Barbados is having great trouble with water, maybe not lack of rain, but just getting the water to households. Uh, we are very grateful, and I hope that the farmers are doing well, and that the water authorities are saving um, most of this water. Challenges in abundance in the Caribbean at the moment, and uh, no more challenge, bigger challenge that uh, anybody in the Caribbean is that being faced by the West Indies cricket team out in the United Arab Emirates at the moment, Reds. Uh, we'll be looking ahead at the, the test series that begins this week uh, on the back of uh, 3-0 whitewash in the 2020 series, a 3-0 whitewash in the ODIs, three tests coming up. Can West Indies expect to come away from uh, the region with a 9-0 defeat, Reds? A very promising three-day game. Uh, I, like, I like the fact that, um, you know, we were able to bowl um, the... 11 out. Um, Bishu, I'm happy, was not overbowled. He picked up five, and he needs to be kept in cotton wool by hole, bowling short spells, not long spells where the fingers get tired and the shoulder goes. He needs to be cleverly used. Um, you know, you know, batsmen getting runs, um, the majority of them, uh, at least two should have gone on to get, um, you know, 100 plus. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I thought overall um, it wasn't a bad performance. Um, it, it was positive more than negative. Um, one little worry, Azari Joseph only bowling three overs. He did bat in the second ends, which suggests that it wasn't chronic. But here's hoping that he will be fit. Uh, but the batting fired, um, which was very important. A number of men 
going past 50. Um, another bad performance against um, uh, the fact that we are about to play the first test match, but with the pink ball. Yes, absolutely, with the pink ball. That, uh, that first test uh, against Pakistan kicks off in uh, in Dubai on uh, on Friday. I'm actually going to be there in Dubai this uh, this weekend. Um, if I get the chance, I will sort of nip along to see some of the, the, the test match. Uh, as you say, with the pink ball, a day-night test. Um, that's going to be a new experience for uh, a lot of uh, the West Indies side reds. Yes, it's a new experience for the side, new experience for people who get up and watch. Um, and uh, probably will be better for viewing from, from the West Indies standpoint. I did watch a lot of the first, the first um, day and night test in Adelaide, and uh, it went very well. I mean, there, there were no complaints uh, by the, the, the batsmen um, about the pit ball, and here's hoping that it, it goes well, and, and, and the West Indies will do well, but um, it will take um, some adjustments by both sides. If you haven't played, if you haven't played, I mean, it's one thing to play a 50-over game or a 20-20, um, but, uh, you know, it's a new experience playing on the light with the pink ball and how long it will last in terms of colour and in terms of shape and in terms of seam. That's that's going to be interesting to see, apart from anything else that uh, uh, we're looking at with the, the, the West Indies side. I mean, they've got to adapt. They've got to adapt quickly. Uh, it's the first time they're going to be playing with a pink ball under lights. Not going to be the last. Uh, it was announced last week that uh, when they tour England, next year, that the, the test match at Edgbaston is also going to be a day-night fixture uh, Reds. Yes, I think that that is the way to go, and uh, a further way to go is to reduce the test to four days. I think uh, Martin Crowe uh, might have uh, been pushing that before his death, and it's a logical thing to do. Uh, test cricket is facing an awful challenge from the shorter format and uh, I think you can get um, maybe a result situation, good crowds watching. Uh, you might have to tweak the rules a little bit to speed up the process. Maybe uh, limitations on the number of overs, a number of overs you can bat it in, in, in the first innings, uh, say, let's say 100, 110. Uh, so you don't have one size getting 600 and the game is, is very much heading in, in one way. But um, pink ball, on the lights, the way to go, four days, maybe in, in the future. Mm. I have to be honest, Reds, I hope not. Um, there's many people that have said that about four-day cricket. I think one needs to look back at the reasons why test matches went to four, then five days in the first place. It's a thing called the weather, and uh, a match needs to be completed in those days. The fifth day isn't necessarily there to make sure that uh, it goes to the five days, but giving five days in which the game to be completed. If Test cricket has to then do something arbitrary or uh, design it in such a way that there's a limitation on the number of overs in the first innings, those kind of things, well then, to me, then it ceases to be Test cricket. We're then getting yet another form of one-day cricket. I can see the logic behind it, but personally, I'd be dead against. Well, um, s strong strong rebuttal, so to speak, and, and well played, well played. Well, I mean, you know, this program is all about um, sharing ideas and, and people don't have to be singing on the same page. Um, you, you listen to some 
commentary panels internationally, and you know you you, you have people like a, a chorus with, with no independent uh, no independent thought. But uh, let, let's move on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are just just finally Reds. Um, I, I do, I do want to feel from you uh, about what you think West Indies prospects are in this series. I mean, they do have some exciting players. They did show some patches of improvement against India. But realistically, away from home, the added challenge of this day-night test. Um, well, let me put it this way, Reds. What would, what would be considered a success, inverted commas, in this series for the West Indies? If they were able to compete and push Pakistan and, and uh, challenge them, um, even if we don't win in conditions which are very much in favor of the Pakistanis, at least let us compete. Let us be able, um, at the end of the day, say, well, they, they played well, they, they, they competed. I think if we can win a match, it would be just great. But uh, if, if we can compete, it would have suggests that we have improved as a side after that awful start. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And uh, as ever, uh, we keep our fingers crossed, but um, perhaps fear the worst. Anyway, uh, moving on, as you suggested, uh, West Indies are competing in uh, a couple of other different formats and areas concurrently. Uh, the West Indies women are uh, hosting England at the moment, and the West Indies A team are in Sri Lanka. Uh, which of those two would you like to kick off with, Reds? Well, let's kick off with the women. Um, uh, I think England managed to get an important 10, 15 runs at the end, uh, which proved to be uh, very crucial. Um, uh, they didn't look like getting the, the, the score they were, uh, well, eventually got. Um, but uh, our, our top order um, uh, just didn't quite fire. Our top order, um, nobody really went on. Um, and... Uh, you know, our, our main performance with the bat um, didn't quite produce it. Campbell did try to hold the middle order together. Um, but, you know, we had we had some of our players with good starts, but but nobody really going on. And if you, in case if you don't make runs, um, you know, you, you might well lose. Uh, the England total wasn't uh, unbeatable. Um, and I, I thought the West Indies uh, didn't bat well. Yeah, uh, England winning that first one-day international in Jamaica against the, the West Indies women uh, just the other day. I think it was by five runs. The second game is is today. So, uh, well, best of luck to to both sides, of course. Um, the A team is in Sri Lanka Reds uh, under coach Graham West. They lost their first uh, match, their first Test match in inverted commas, as it were. Um, what, what 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 have we learned from uh, that performance? Well, I think we batted badly in the second innings, um, and uh, you know, um, I, I think we need to wait a little bit to see how they perform in in future matches. Um, it, it would take a little bit of time to settle down, get over the jet lag, get accustomed to the tracks. Um, but uh, you know, maybe early days. Uh, to start judging. What's your take, David? Uh, I was glad to see that they're back out there again. It's one of the things that's been said quite a lot in the last couple of years. I think it's a couple of years since their last A-Tour. 
uh, and my good friend Graham was out on that one as well. And we know very well about the success of the under-19s in between. The development of West Indies cricket, though that sort of exposure is absolutely of paramount importance. And if the performance can um, go along with it, OK, defeat. But if they can learn stuff and compete, then it's, it, it's a great building block uh, for them and their progression to the, to the higher teams. And I'm glad that money has been found to subsidise this because we reiterate every time. Lots of people uh, listening to this programme within the Caribbean are well aware of the financial challenges in the region. I'm not so sure that a lot of our listeners outside in England, Australia, elsewhere, really do know how much it's a hand-to-mouth financial existence. And finding the money to pay for something like this, to me, is far more important than paying the wages that they were previously paying to some of the top uh, line international players like Gale and Bravo and things. And that's where the money has been redistributed. Now, so far on that um, tour, um, a, a good performance um, by the Guyanese middle order. Um, and uh, he really should have gone on uh, to have gotten 100. Um, and I'm talking about Singh. He got 48 48 in the, in the second. So he seemed to be someone that the selectors could look at. Very patient, Chanjapur-like. Uh, not totally, but uh, just giving some hint of how, how we might look small. And, um, of course, you had an eight-wicket haul by a very big Antiguan off-spinner. Rakim <laughs> Gorwell, yes. And uh, his figures, wonderful and very encouraging. And he bowled a heck of a lot of overs. And uh, yeah, that's that's wonderful. And he's his cricket has come on uh, in the last 12 months. Perhaps disappointingly, though, Reds, and I hope uh, improvement. I was disappointed just from the, the figures that I read of uh, young Moti of Guyana. Yes. Um, well, uh, let, let's hope they they, they improve. Um, they, they've got to, of course, uh, work on, on on their shortcomings. But uh, I think we we certainly highlighted. Um, the two personalities who, who shone quite brightly. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that keeps coming through, whether we're talking about the uh, the A team, the women, uh, the Test side, is is batting. Something we haven't mentioned since you and I resumed uh, the other day is uh, Toby Radford's come back to the Caribbean as the the batting coach. Uh, he was formerly uh, head of the. High Performance Centre there before Graham West was, was in charge. He's gone back to there from England. Uh, unfortunately, though, doesn't seem to have had an immediate impact, though, uh, as batting coach of the West Indies side. Yes, he must be scratching his head. Um, you know, you, you can talk a lot. Um, you can, you know, discuss um, batting techniques. You can discuss conditions. But, you know, you really can't blame each and every coach whether it's him or anybody else, if the players don't go, when they take guard, take responsibility. Just going back to that EP, something that just passed through my mind, um, Hetmeyer, uh, I, I would like to see him, you know, uh, come in to, to, to the side. I think quite, quite talented, and, uh, you know, himself and Azari Joseph were stars in the Western News winning on, on the 20. Um, Played brilliantly for Guyan in, in the one game he came back and played, uh, but hasn't had much of an opportunity yet. Yeah, yeah. now there's some, there's some really, really impressive young men out there who do need some guidance. They certainly need some exposure to different conditions. And I think they need 
how can I put it? Um, the opportunity to do some proper batting, uh, some real occupation of the crease, some uh, using up some time. Um, it's reminded me, Red, something else we haven't mentioned uh, since we were away for those few weeks. In that time, we had the announcement of the retirement of uh, uh, Ronnie Sarwan. Yes, um, I think, uh, you know, at one time there was uh, a very, very um, good evidence that he would have been right up there with the top batsmen to come out of Guyana. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, he started well against Pakistan, and there's a joke with him, uh, batting against Akram, which unfortunately I cannot tell on this program. Um, but he really moved on. I mean, he was, in fact, uh, a very good player. I mean, I remember the game against England in Barbados where he took the England attack apart. I think things went wrong when he got injured, when he got the shoulder injury. Um, he was Brian Lara's vice-captain. Um, and whenever he got a chance, he, when Lara was off the field or injured or what, or unavailable, um, he led the West Indies very well. He was an attacking captain. He was looking at ways of getting um, wickets. But when he came back to fitness, I think the board erred by then appointing Gale. I think that was the time to go back to Sarwan. And I think if you look at, well, from that New Zealand tour, the slide starting. Uh, very, very good captain, I thought he was. Uh, beautiful batsman to watch, very stylish. Um, and um, I, I don't think he quite, um, if you look at the averages, he, he should have maybe got more runs, finished with a better average. Um, I think towards the end, uh, the, the, the average suffered uh, because um, he didn't get very many scores in, in his closing test matches. No, no he's certainly somebody that was uh, very highly regarded internationally and uh, it appeared when West Indies cricket did fall away from its peak in that time of 1995 when it lost its mantle uh, and in the, the following 10 years or so, Sarwan, Chandrapal, Gale uh, were still very good batsmen in a time when West Indies were in decline but uh, not to the decline that they have now found themselves. Uh, it's interesting you saying there, Red, about um, uh, watching cricket elsewhere. One of the things that's been interesting to watch also as well has been the England-Bangladesh. England tour Bangladesh is underway, and there's been a couple of one-day internationals there. And seeing Bangladesh push England very closely in the first game, winning the second game, this on top of West Indies' defeats to Pakistan, the gap between West Indies and Bangladesh in one-day cricket is growing. Yes, um, and one could say that Bangladesh really um, should be annoyed with themselves for losing the first game. Uh, they were in a very, very good position and uh, had a walkabout, as the Australians would say, and uh, lost, lost surprisingly. Um, and, uh, well, the second one, they bounced back, but Tempest flaring. Uh, too many, too many people talking, um, sending people off, and things like that. Um, I see where uh, fines have been put in, 50%. Um, but you know, I think the umpires need to read the riot act before the game starts. You get a man out, 
celebrate, uh, but don't um, be looking at his face and, and having words as he, he, he departs. And it goes for both sides. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, somebody who perhaps might not, uh, Ben Stokes of England, who recently he has got a new book out, and he was quoted as saying that uh, he felt the umpires should give them a little bit more freedom to exchange banter and other pleasantries out on the field. Stokes, of course, uh, had his uh, famous altercation with Marlon Samuels. Stokes, in his book, uh, didn't disguise the fact that he had um, uh, nothing short of contempt for uh, Marlon Samuels. Um, I, I I agree with you, Wes. I don't think there is... There, 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 there's, there's a place for, for gentle exchanges and perhaps a few words, but it seems to have been ratcheted up far too far. He is too good a player to want to rely on, 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 on uh, sometimes bordering on loutish behaviour. He's too good a player. He's probably the best England all-rounder since Bottom, and he must rely on, on, on the skill that, that he has, that God has given him and coaches have given him. I, I think he simply wants maybe to sell a few copies of books by, you know, further, um, you know, with the launching for the highlighting um, some aspect of the content. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. Uh, looking ahead, Reds, just uh, on the radar, about a month from now, the uh, the four-day regional competition is due to get underway on November the 11th. As far as I'm aware, the fixtures haven't been confirmed yet, but I do know that there's uh, a provisional fixture list uh, out, out there. Uh, are you positive about this season coming up? Well, um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, players must start um, improving on the number of runs that they got last year, num- number of wickets. Unfortunately, um, it might be slightly uh, hampered by the number of people who may be going to the Bangladesh uh, for a couple of weeks. And, of course, the West Indies team doesn't get back until after it starts. Um, now, I haven't seen the draft fixtures. I know the windwards... Because I've done an interview with the new Winwards manager, Alton Craft, and they're playing in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, but I, I do not know the rest of the fixtures. Here's hoping that the board will spend a few dollars and advertise, spend a few dollars on television and advertise, put up a few banners. So, you know, when you walk into an airport and someone says, hey, what you're here for? And you say, well, I'm here to see... Um, I'm here to, to watch uh, blah, 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 here to broadcast the four-day game between so-and-so. He said, where's that being played? You know, so um, I hope that we have a little more publicity um, on, on the program and we must be reminded all the time that it's being played uh, for the Headley Weeks Trophy, two great, outstanding World-class batsman. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we'll, we'll talk more about that as uh, the season approaches. Uh, last few minutes now, Reds. Um, as we always do, we like to cast a, a glance backward. And a couple of things I just want to uh, chat to you about th- this week. Uh, since I spoke to you just the other day, there was a uh, passing of another very fine test cricketer. Australia's uh, uh, renowned leg spinner, John Gleeson, uh, departed. Uh, what were your memories of him? Well, certainly all West Indians of, of, of that age will remember um, him in the 68 tour. I think he took uh, 25 or 26 wickets. And uh, I just did a check this morning. 
Um, you know, for a long time, he, he had to compete with other spinners who couldn't get in. He was a late starter. I think he started around 27 when he played his first class. And you had Mallet, you had Vivas, you had Simpson. Um, you had a number of spinners. Um, and uh, he, he had to wait his turn. Unorthodox, I remember seeing a picture with the middle finger under the ball. Um, he, he bowled with that style. But against us, Gleason, 1 for 54, Gleason, 5 for 122, that's the first test. Uh, in the second test, uh, Gleason took 1 for 49 and 5 for 61. Uh, third test, it was Gleason again in action. Uh, Gleason, none for 45 and 4 for 91. Uh, by the fourth test, uh, Gleason... Four, three for 91 and one for 176 with the West Indies scoring over 600 runs in, in that and in the final test match in 68. Uh, Johnny Gleason, the New South Wales man, 19 overs, 2 for 53 and 15 overs, 3 for 84. Uh, but as I said, um, he competed against, including McCool. There were a number of spinners around. Bobby Simpson bowled his leg spin. Ian Chapel bowled his leg spin. And, um, you know, I'm sure you, 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 you've got the details on, on, on his career. Well, his, his bare stats in tests, 29 tests, 93 test wickets. Uh, quite a high average, even for then, of uh, 36.2. Uh, he was another one of these mystery spinners that uh, uh, could win a test match. Uh, not dissimilar to Jack Iverson before him. Um, apparently had quite a similar action, flicking his leg break much more off his uh, middle finger than, uh, than than rolling it out of the back of his hand. Uh, I did actually meet him very briefly once. And he made a delightful impression upon me. I was at the Centenary Test Match at Lords in 1980. And uh, as a young 11-year-old, I was rushing around with all these very famous cricketers hither and thither. Very, none of them I recognised, of course, being only 11, but I had my dad at my side. And uh, as we were leaving on the, the very last day that we went, out near the nursery grounds, this chap came wandering towards me. He was quite young, he'd have been then, in his 40s, uh, smoking on, puffing away on a fag. And my dad said, go up and get his autograph, go up and get his autograph. So I went up and said, excuse me, sir, can I have your autograph, please? And he said, how did you recognise me? I said, I didn't, but my dad did. <laughs> and he went, what's your name, son? David. And he signed my autograph book to David. Higher there, Johnny Gleason. And he put a great big, uh, great big smiley on it. And I uh, just thought, in that brief moment, what a lovely bloke. And um, nice story I, I read in the Australian um, papers on his death is that part of him getting into the Australian side that um, so Donald Bradman, suit and all, <laughs> minus his hat, actually went into the nets and Gleason had to bowl a couple of overs, at least two, I think, uh, maybe uh, just to get the nod into the test side. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those were the days. Well, and and uh, I read that, that same uh, piece that you did, Reds, and it said that when uh, the Don had faced three or four and without a bat, just watching it go and trying to catch the ball. And uh, uh, when he couldn't pick him, that was, if the Don couldn't pick him, that was good enough for him. Yeah, nice story and great, great, great story. I suppose he was a great mate of, 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 of Ian Chappell and, and that. 
that, that Australia team of 67-68 and a bit onwards. Yeah. The other guy I do want us to just recall Reds because it's a significant anniversary. Uh, we're chatting on uh, Monday the 10th of October. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday the 11th of October, will be exactly 20 years to the day uh, since the passing of uh, the great Keith Boyce. Yes, um, what an athlete. And maybe when people talk about great West Indian fieldsmen, they fail to mention uh, Keith Boyce. I mean, when he was at Midwicket or Backwood Square, do not run too, mm. or else, you know, uh, Crapple will smoke your pipe, as they say. <laughs> Tremendous arm. Very good all-rounder. I mean, probably known for his bowling, but a hard-hitting batsman. A hard-hitting batsman. Uh, I had the pleasure of touring with him. Very nice, very nice guy. Very easy to talk with. And uh, made a, a great contribution uh, to Barbados cricket after he, he finished playing. Um, and that hundred was um, at Adelaide, uh, you know, where um, the, the West Indies seemed to be bowling Australia out under 300. And then um, came uh, some tailender who hit a, a mighty um, 80, and uh, the, the West Indies were not in a strong a position. But Boyce um, was very strong, bowled with a lot of heart, and, um, you know, had a magnificent um, first-class career and a great career, not only for Barbados, but also um, for Essex. He was a genuine runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, uh, uh, for Essex, uh, you were talking before we started, Reds, and you asked me to sort of pull up his stats uh, just on Essex. He played over 200 times in first-class cricket for Essex, scored over 6,000 runs, hit three centuries, and took uh, 662 wickets at 23. 30 times he took five wickets in an innings. Uh, he was a great cricketer in, in England, and he had some very fine moments in England. He uh, took four wickets in the 1975 World Cup final, the first ever World Cup final, which I know you were there. Uh, he also tormented England on the West Indies Tour of England in 1973. Yes, and he was quite a good sportsman because I know, I didn't see myself, but I read where he was a, a goalkeeper. He was, he was very athletic, uh, very athletic, and um, a, a, a great personality, a, a great personality who gave his captain 110%. Each and every day. Yeah. Well, he was a man that lived life to the full, as they say. Uh, he actually died on his birthday, his 53rd birthday, in 1996 uh, in Bridgetown, Barbados. And, um, yeah, we just uh, like to recall uh, one of the greats there in uh, in Keith Boyce. Um, that's all we've got time for this time, uh, uh, Reds. Uh, I'll speak to you again sh uh, soon, I'm sure. But uh, I know you always like to thank our listeners. Well, I want to remind them that they hopefully can watch um, the night test match. If it's on Western East Television, it should be a good viewing hour. We want to thank people for their um, emails back to the program, criticizing, giving balance, etc. And all, all of our friends from um, Guyana right down to, well, Guyana, Grenada, and then right up the, the, the chain to Jamaica. Um, our program must go to Tony Packer, for example, and a number of personalities in, in the region. And, of course, our friends in North, North America. And you can maybe just fill in the beyond 
How, how far do you think we are reaching? Absolutely. Well, that's a good question. I'm not one of these people to go and, and look up our listening figures or our iTunes ratings. Reds. I know plenty of people on podcasts uh, uh, do. I, I, I just don't bother. Um, but yes, you're quite right. We are available on iTunes uh, where this podcast can be downloaded and uh, subscribe to. We're also available on SoundCloud. As you said, we can be reached on email at willowinthewindiesoutlook.com. And you can also uh, find me, David Oram, on Twitter. Um, until next time, uh, that's all it is. This, that's all we've got time for. Uh, this has been The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with Red Brewer and me, David Oram, and we'll be back with you soon. Goodbye.